they did it. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. And welcome back to another episode of Rookie Ball, the podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports. I, of course, am your host, Phoenix Hygus. Ladies and gentlemen, the championship games have just ended, and you can bet I'm excited. I'm going to be in the best mood of my life for the next two weeks. The Cincinnati Bengals have made the Super Bowl along with the Los Angeles Rams, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, but we are not going to get into that first today, so you'll have to wait until the second half of the episode to hear my analysis on those games. First, I want to get into something in the NBA. The NBA trade deadline is coming up in about a week, and we're going to be talking about the top five teams that I think need to be most involved, whether they're buyers or sellers. Because I think it is interesting. We have a lot of teams that are maybe having disappointing seasons. We have a lot of teams that are probably surprised and need to start buying. So I'm going to be talking about which teams I think need to buy, sell out of the top five teams that should definitely be involved with this trade deadline. I'm just going to be going down a list from five to one and telling you what this team I think needs to do to either get better or rebuild, etc, etc. So... Starting at number five, probably a more popular pick for most people, but I'm going to keep keep them at five. The Boston Celtics right now sit at the number nine seed, technically tied for the eighth seed with the uh, Toronto Raptors. And there's been this slow, gradual decline by the Boston Celtics year after year. You know, they were once like a top two team in the East, and then they kind of slipped into like, okay, they're a home team in the playoffs. And now they've kind of slipped down to, are they even going to make the playoffs? We'll kind of see. And they, of course, have a star in Jason Tatum, who I'm sure they don't want to waste his prime that he's kind of going through right now. Or possibly this isn't even his prime. He could even get better and better and better. The fact is, the Boston Celtics roster just really isn't cutting it. I don't know if Jalen Brown is that second star that they need. So a lot of people would probably tell the Celtics to sell here and just kind of rebuild But when you have a star like Jason Tatum, who is kind of like a decent amount of years into the league, you know, he's been playing three to four years. He's kind of slipping into his prime right now. You really need to start building around him to make a championship team because they have not won a championship with this roster that they've built. So when I look at this, I say you got to find another star to pair Jason Tatum with and trade Jalen Brown away with it. Or, you know, if you can find a trade for another decent guy to come in with Al Horford and maybe a couple picks, that would also be great. But I think the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum experiment is just not working. 
and I think we all know who the more talented player is out of the two. So I think they need to get more involved and maybe get Jalen Brown out of there. At number four, I have a team that definitely needs to start rebuilding, and that is the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers have always been a team that has slipped into the playoffs, not as a 7th or 8th seed, usually typically as a 4th or 5th seed. They almost always have home court advantage in the first round, but they have never been able to do anything with that. And it's very confusing given they do have star power. Sabonis is a bona fide all-star every season. Miles Turner is always doing great. Malcolm Brogdon has been playing amazing in the last couple of years. They really have no excuse to be the 13th seed in the East right now, but they are. And looking at it, I think they just need to do a full rebuild. Sabonis has talked about how he wants to move elsewhere because he's not finding much success on the Pacers. There's been a lot of talks about trading Miles Turner this season. So I think there's a lot of talk, but they really need to just go for it. Uh, They've been kind of a playoff team for the last, like, six, seven, eight years, and I think it's finally time to say, okay, we need to start over. We need to do something different because this wasn't getting us to the NBA Finals. Pacers, I think, need to go into a full rebuild. They need to trade some bonus. Miles Turner. I think Malcolm Brogdon is a really good piece to use in a trade, but I almost feel like he's young enough to start having, not build around him because he's obviously not like, a top-tier player, but start to make him like the second star or the or the main point guard of a championship roster. Number three is another team that I think needs to go into full rebuild mode, and is that, that is the Sacramento Kings. I think there was one season, and it was maybe during the 2019-2018 season, where they kind of shocked us and almost made the playoffs, but they didn't. And since then, they've been absolutely horrible. The Sacramento Kings have just not been good for a while. They're kind of the Detroit Lions right now of the NBA. Um, And they have some guys in there that are very, very talented. De'Aaron Fox is an almost all-star every season. Tyrese Halliburton is looking like if he was put in a more main role that he would fight for an all-star spot. Um, Marvin Bagley has kind of just been this injury-riddle player, a what-if type of scenario. They have a lot of players that have talent on that roster, but they have a lot uh, of salary cap into that team. Harrison Barnes is getting paid way too much, and they just don't have a number one guy. De'Aaron Fox is great, and the fact is I really believe in De'Aaron. I think he's amazing. I watched him in Kentucky. I'm a big De'Aaron Fox fan, but he cannot be the number one option on a championship-level team. They're not going to make the championship in a scenario like that. The Sacramento Kings need to completely rebuild. They need to trade De'Aaron Fox somewhere where he's going to be in a championship-type role as a number two or a number three guy. I think you need to start building around Tyrese Halliburton, not as a number one guy, but definitely as a number two guy. And you need to get some type of value for Marvin Bagley, or if you really think that he still has the potential that he had coming out of college, then go ahead and keep him and hope that he can stay off the injury list and become who you think he was going to become. The number two team going into this, I really didn't think I was going to put them on my list, but now that I really think about it and look at the standings, they absolutely should be on this list. The Los Angeles Lakers need to buy at this trade deadline. They're sitting right now at the ninth seed, a game behind the Clippers, who, let me remind you, do not have Kawhi or Paul George right now. 
And the fact is, outside of Anthony Davis being up for most of the season, LeBron and Russell Westbrook have been playing, and I'm not going to hate on Russell Westbrook. I know he's been kind of struggling this season, but we kind of go through this every season with Russell Westbrook where, oh, he sucks, you know, he's not good. And then the second half of the season, oh boy, he's the greatest NBA player of all time. So I'm figuring that's what's probably going to happen again this season. But the fact of the matter is that their supporting cast, their role players, their bench players, their names are very talented. You know, Dwight Howard, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, who actually has been playing very well, uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who is supposed to be amazing this season. Those players are just not playing at a very high level right now. Um, I don't know if that's because of the stars that they're playing with, that they just don't have as many opportunities, or if they feel like they don't have as good as a role here as they did in their former teams. But you either need to build up the confidence in the team, or you just need to completely throw new players in there and hope they gel well uh, with LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and AD. So when you're really asking me, I think it comes down to, are the Los Angeles Lakers patient enough with players? Um, because right now it just seems like they aren't, seems like they never have been. I am a Lakers hater, you know, I I, I don't like when a team that's such big budget and can afford these type of things, you know, is successful, so it is kind of beautiful to see a team built to destroy the league uh, is at the ninth seed right now, and in no way getting to that number one seed. So the Los Angeles Lakers need to completely buy um it would be absolutely stupid for them to rebuild, obviously. But yeah, Lakers at number two need to buy. At number one, it's very weird to put this team at number one considering they're only a half game out of the first seed. And it's also weird for me to put this team at number one because I am not a big believer, I'm not a big fan of this team, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid, I'm not a big believer. I think he's good. I don't think he can lead a team to a championship, but he has proved me wrong this season again and again that he can lead a team to a number one, number two, number three type seed. We'll see how much postseason success that equals. But right now, he's sitting at the number three seed, half a game out of the number one seed. And the way that I look at it is he's doing this without basically his number two and three guy. He's doing this without Ben Simmons, who just continues to sit out games. He's doing this without Tobias Harris, which Tobias Harris is playing, but he's not playing very well. So when I look at this roster, I'm just like, Joel Embiid is in the prime right now. He is top three in MVP every season that he's playing for the last like three seasons. Get this guy the help that he needs. Ben Simmons is not going to be the guy that gets him to an NBA championship. And it stinks, because I don't think Ben Simmons is amazing, but I think he is good. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a number two guy, but he's definitely a number three guy. Um, and Tobias Harris, I think, plays a very good number three guy uh, role on a team. So you have these very valuable players, but you're asking too much of them. When I see that Ben Simmons is being offered up for De'Aaron Fox and picks, I would maybe have an argument for Ben Simmons for De'Aaron Fox straight up, when we're talking about picks included, these are two guys that are fringe all-star players. There's literally no difference between them, honestly. So the 76ers need to realize where their actual value for Ben Simmons is. And once they figure that out, 
instantly trade him. He wants to be traded. It seems like Embiid wants him to be traded, and the 76ers want to trade him. Why has he not been traded yet? You have a guy that's in his prime that seems like he can lead you to a championship, and you just continue to hold him back by keeping these players. So if the 76ers don't make any major moves at the NBA trade deadline, I think they're completely screwing over their franchise, screwing over their players, and especially screwing over Simmons and Embiid in a situation where they both want him gone. So let me know what you guys think. What team, is there any team that I didn't mention that should be buying, should be selling during this NBA trade deadline? Is there any teams that you think are going to make a major move? Is there any big names that are going um, so please let me know in the comments or anywhere in the dis- uh, description of the episode. And I hope for an exciting NBA trade deadline. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking about the NFL Conference Championships. <laughs> Diving into both games analyzing what I think lost the game for some teams, won the game for some teams, what mistakes were made, and talking about the Super Bowl matchup that has now been set between the, who was that? Who day? Who? Who? Who day? Cincinnati Bengals and the, who's that? Ah, the Los Angeles Rams. All right, so I think you guys know which game I'm saving for last to talk about between the two. Going into the analysis of the San Francisco 49ers and Los Angeles Rams game that ended in a 20-17 victory for the LA Rams. A very exciting game. Came down to some of the last plays. Couldn't ask for better football, honestly. On the 49ers side, Jimmy Garoppolo, outside of one play, I think actually played very well. He was 16-30 for with 232, two touchdowns, and of course, the game-ending interception. Uh, That was just a complete crazy call, especially I I think a lot of people argued that it was third down and he had to just make a play. But if you just throw it away there, if you just take the sack, at least you get fourth down still. Looking at that play, he almost actually did get it to the running back on the flat. But yeah, I think an avoidable play. Did Jimmy Garoppolo lose this game for the 49ers? No, you know, their defense could have stepped up at times. Uh, you know, their wide receivers could have stepped up at times. The only person that I think just should not be blamed at all for this game is obviously Debo Samuel. The guy played his dang heart out. Seven carries for 26 yards in the rushing game and four catches for 72 yards with a touchdown in the receiving game. Debo has played his heart out this entire season. I'm sure he'll continue to be a bona fide star in the NFL It stinks to see him go out like this, especially considering that I did say I was rooting for Bengals and 49ers uh, Super Bowl. At the end of the day, the Rams pulled it out. Like I said, I just feel like they have more blockbuster talent on their team, as I have said the whole postseason for them. On the Rams side, a beautiful game played overall. Matthew Stafford passed the ball a lot in this game. He was 31 for 45 with 337 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Probably should have been two. The uh, the missed interception by Ward was absolutely insane. That's a play where you look back and say, 49ers probably should have won this game. 
On the ground game, Cam Akers was kind of in and out. Seems like he's going to be questionable for the Super Bowl. 13 carries for 48 yards. And then Sonny Michelle came in and did an absolute horrible job. 10 carries for 16 yards. Not very good. But of course, giving Matthew Stafford 337 yards helps the receiving game as Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham both had over 100 yards. Cooper Cup having two touchdowns as well. And Kendall Blanton, who came in for Tyler Higby, who was injured during the game, with five catches for 57 yards, having, you know, a very exciting, shocking game out of nowhere. Um, but the two things that shined for both teams was the defense. Even though both of them only had one interception, it just felt like they brought a presence during the game that uh, would just be upped by the other as each drive happened. And, of course, the big defensive play at the end of the game for the Rams was the big dagger that ended this game. Now, watching this game, based off their seasons, both teams were very rocky at times. Both teams weren't the most consistent teams in the NFL. And I think it showed here. I think there was moments where the 49ers dominated this game and then they disappear out of nowhere. And then there was times where the Rams were dominating this game. But in the first half, pretty quiet, actually. So when I look at these two teams, I, I see a lot of inconsistency, and that's what I see going into the Super Bowl versus the Rams. I see another team that is just very inconsistent, had some bad losses this year, had some great wins. You kind of don't know which team you're going to get, and that can be at any point in the game. You could get the greatest team alive in the first quarter, but all of a sudden you could get a Jaguars-level playing team in the second. So we'll see how that plays out in the Super Bowl, what Rams team will be getting through all four quarters. But congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. They built their roster to be like this, the largest comeback in a fourth quarter ever. So props to the Los Angeles Rams for winning this game and heading to the Super Bowl. I'm going to leave a little space in here uh, during the episode because anybody watching the episode right now, can I get a little hootay? Thank you very much, because the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the NFL Super Bowl for the first time since 1988-1989 season, and they did it in overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs, the second team in NFL playoff history to win a game in overtime when losing the coin toss, and ooh, does that hurt for the Kansas City Chiefs, who probably won the coin toss and thought that this game was over? Not to mention, it is the biggest comeback, tied for the biggest comeback, in championship game history. And that was not the only point in this game where the Chiefs, probably most fans of the Bengals and Chiefs, thought this game was absolutely over. 21-3, a touchdown away from the new Falcons. But the Cincinnati Bengals came back from 21-3 to tie it at 21 in the fourth quarter, kicking a go-ahead field goal at 24, stopping the Chiefs on a dominant drive, sacking him all the way back to the 25 and forcing a field goal to go into overtime. I talked about on my last episode uh, after the divisional round that the championship games had a lot to live up to. The divisional round was one of the best series of football games I've ever seen in my entire life, probably number one. I said that the conference championship games 
would have to be insane. And don't get me wrong, the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers game was very, very exciting and fun to watch. But outside of the Bills and Chiefs game, this has been the best playoff game so far. This is the second best playoff game this season outside of the Bills and Chiefs game. I My heart while watching this game from an NFL fan, it was the most exciting thing to watch, you know, as a sports analysis, as a sports analysis and, you know, sports watcher, it was exhilarating. As a Bengals fan, I genuinely thought that I was going to have a heart attack watching this game. As soon as it went to 21 to 3, I'll be honest, I did not stay very faithful. As I said in my predictions video, everything I had wrote in my notebooks said, do not pick this upset of the week. Pick the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to win this game. When I saw it go to 21 to 3, I was like, yeah, probably should have listened to my brain on that one. But then I saw the switch, and I think this play needs to be talked about more than it is. But the uh, end of the first half call by the Kansas City Chiefs, where they kind of got a little cocky, I'm going to be honest. And it's kind of weird to see that considering they were up 11 uh, at half the first time they played us, and they were up 11 going into that final play. Patrick Mahomes went over to Andy Reid and said that he wants to go for it. He wants to get a touchdown here, really close out the game. And I'm going to be honest. Um... Any Chiefs fan out there, I respect all of you. I don't have any beef with any of you guys. It lost them the game. I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest. Um, you know, you get your field goal there, and this game doesn't come down to overtime. This game comes down to can the Bengals get a drive at the end of the game. So when you're asking me, I think there was just kind of a light switch type moment right there. I think the Bengals had this new motivation, this new found light in the in the locker room probably at halftime like oh wow we can stop this offense we we can stop them from scoring a touchdown every drive and that's really what happened not only did they stop them from scoring touchdowns they kind of stopped them from scoring at all the Kansas City Chiefs only scored three points in the second half of this football game and I can't tell if that's from such a dominant performance by the Cincinnati Bengals or a complete shutdown by the Kansas City Chiefs um, I think a lot of people can make the argument that Patrick Mahomes just kind of fell apart in the second half, but you could also talk about the adjustments that the Cincinnati Bengals made on their defensive side. They played a lot of two high safeties trying to limit the big plays by the Chiefs, so the Chiefs continued to just do these short passes in the first half. Then it seems that they brought one of the safeties down to do a double coverage on whoever was the most open or whoever they felt like they needed a double cover. And from what I could see, they just kind of always had a spy, uh, whether it was Logan Wilson or it was uh, Jermaine Pratt, that was just kind of always running with Patrick Mahomes to make sure that he didn't run out of the pocket like he typically would. So I think a lot of moments here where, yes, the Chiefs did implode and kind of lose this game, but the Cincinnati Bengals also just had great adjustments going into this half. Their offense played a lot better. Joe Mixon just found a way to keep running the ball. 
T. Higgins exploded in the second half, which ended him with 103 yards on six catches. Jamar Chase, of course, had big plays, including that touchdown catch in the third quarter or fourth quarter, I believe. Uh, six catches for 54 yards. And of course, Shamaji Pirine had the 41 yard touchdown. Um, he had three catches for 43 yards. And you cannot forget, Joe Burrow statistically did not play the greatest game of his life, but we all know that he was a big reason why they won this game. 23 for 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and a big interception at the time, but ended up uh, turning into nothing. The big takeaway from this game is that the Cincinnati Bengals, while I agree with Burrow that this is not a Cinderella team anymore, this is a legit contender in the AFC for years and years and years to come, and that's coming from a non-biased standpoint. The big point is that this is a second-half team as much as they don't want it to be. They exploded in the first half of the Titans game. They took the lead in the first half, but we kind of saw the grit and the comeback and the resilience from them in the second half. We didn't see them run away with the Titans game like the Chiefs did in the first half of this one. We kind of saw them take the lead and continue to not let it be taken from them, continue to not let the lead uh, get away from them. So I'm not going to say that this team is always a comeback team. It's not going to have to come back in games to win. Um, but it's never just going to dominate a complete four quarters. You know, at times it will, but not against opponents at such a high level like this. And without getting into my predictions, um, which will be next week, uh, so about four episodes away, I think a big takeaway here is I said in my prediction episode on Friday that whichever team comes out of the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, and now I don't know if I'm going to stick with that because I kind of said that uh, realizing that the Chiefs were most likely going to win this game. But now the matter of the fact is uh, that the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs as weird as it is to say. And so now I think I need to do a lot of analysis on who is going to win this game. Now, getting into my predictions, um, you may notice that I was 100% correct. I picked the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams to win these football games. And, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals were my upset of the week. And there will be no echo on that one, but you know what that means. I get an extra point. I am three for two on this weekend, as weird as that might seem, but I was over 100% on my predictions. And I sent out a tweet on my Twitter account uh, that upset of the week is 3-0 and this postseason. That's wild. I have picked the 49ers to beat the Cowboys as my first upset of the week. I have picked the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Tennessee Titans. And, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I couldn't be more proud of it. Now, where does that land me for the postseason so far in terms of records? Well, let's see. I started off 5-1 and one in the wild card round, only determining that the Patriots wrongly would beat the Bills. 
I then did not have the greatest divisional round where I did pick the Bengals and Rams, uh, ironically correct, but I picked the Packers and Bills to win their game. They did not, so I sat at 2-2, two and two, making me a whopping 7-3 and three going into the championship round. And of course, I was 2-2 two for two with an extra bonus point on the upset of the week there, picking the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. And that moved me to 10-3 and three so far in the postseason. And I am a pretty happy with that. Now, everybody, watching the Cincinnati Bengals and Kansas City Chiefs game, when we went down 21-3, I talked about uh, a few episodes ago that once the Cincinnati Bengals are eliminated from the NFL playoffs and or win the Super Bowl, I would be doing a special episode recapping the Bengals season. So, for your guys' enjoyment, and definitely good news for you guys, no matter the outcome of the Super Bowl, we have two very special episodes that are being ready to be recorded right now, depending on the outcome of the Super Bowl. We, of course, have the episode uh, celebrating the Cincinnati Bengals season where I'll be having friends and family and viewers on to talk about the win and to talk about the season that has happened during this 2021 to 2022 year. The other special episode will, of course, be our Super Bowl episode, which will be happening on Friday, February 11th. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to have guests on or not. I, I believe I'm going to, to hear their predictions for the game. And we'll be talking about going into the analysis, the matchups of the game. We'll be talking about what are, what we think our best commercial will be, who will be performing best at halftime. Um, no spoilers there, but I know who mine is going to be. And of course, making our prediction for the Super Bowl on who will be holding that Lombardi trophy at the end of all of this. So ladies and gentlemen, I will see you on Friday where I'm not even sure what we're going to talk about. We'll see what happens in the news of the sports world. But I really hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you're a Bengals fan, I hope you're enjoying it right now because you really got to savor it. If you're a Chiefs fan, all respect to you. You guys played an amazing season, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you back here time and time again. On the NFC side, I could care less. I think the AFC is straight up better than the NFC. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, and you have a great week. I will see you on Friday, and I will see you on the flippity flip. Get out of here.